This is Shaka Wart Speak. Is there anything I can do for you? For me? Nay, it is too late. But I have come for your sake, Ebenezer. Have you? Well, you always were a good friend. As part of my penance, I have been sent to warn you. And so you have. And to offer you a hope and chance of escaping my fate, you will be haunted by three spirits. Three spirits? Is that the chance of hope you mention? It is. Hey, we're back again. Welcome to Shock of Word Speak. It is Gareth, Dr. Saxmel, and Code Red. Heart. Cody. Is that the angeled Harold I hear saying? Uh, yeah, uh, he, he actually came by a minute ago, um, and I was like, hey, Harold, you got to go home. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um, there's a common song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. There mm-hmm. is a slightly less well-known but equally important contribution to the history of Christmas, which is um, Hark, which is a single put out by the angel Harold. Yes. So sometimes people call it Hark the Angel Herald sings. Mm-hmm. Um, really great. Look it up. Yeah, um, find it. It's kind of obscure. So if you don't find a recording on a uh, quick Google search, don't be scared. Just uh, do a deep dive. Yeah, you should try 20 or 30 pages and you're probably fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, use quotes. That always helps me. Yeah, for real. So. Go back to your uh, your old school days of uh, proper Boolean searches. Yeah, if you, um, there's this guy named uh, Mario um, and... You know, every vinyl shop has a guy named Mario. So mm-hmm. pretty much just find any vinyl shop. And Tell say, them we sent you. Yeah. Say Cody and Gareth sent me. Um, I'm looking for Mario. And uh, they told me that you've got a copy of the 7-inch for Hark, the Angel Herald Sings. Yeah. And while you're at it, uh, buy a couple of those 45 adapters. You're going to need one. Yeah. Yeah. That's important too. But we are back. We are back for our, our, our fourth visit from uh in, in our christmas carol series christmas carol shock of art speaks by style um so we are paying uh a great beautiful homage to the great and wonderful charles dickens um for his immortal classic uh, but also uh just the the reality of this time of year is a fantastic time uh to sort of pause mm-hmm. to think about to look back upon um because this this i was thinking about this the other day uh, cody the um this is really one of the only times in the year where I, I know that like everybody gets sick. Mm. And I think the reason is because this is one of the only times in the year where everybody actually has time off. Yes. So it's not like you're stealing a day away at some point in like, you know, middle of April. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people have time off. They're able to kind of slow down a bit and they, they get sick because we're all doing the same thing. We're all kind of chilling out and taking it easy. Yeah. And potentially spending time with other people in a way that they don't really throughout the year. That's true. You know, you think about the idea of like Christmas parties, a lot of time with family. There's, oh, yeah. there's definitely other events um, throughout the year that, that people get together. Um, but some some seasonal weather combinations and then that sort of <laughs> yeah. pause like you mentioned. And then, oh, let's actually spend some time with loved ones. Let's be close with people mm-hmm. um, can produce some of that. Yeah. So, it, you know, whether you're sick or not, it is a great time of year when we've got a little time on our hands that we can just sit back and think about how things are. So I think it's always nice that in this time of year we can have a, a few moments of getting visited by these wonderful spirits mm-hmm. to remind us of a few things about who we are um, and how maybe possibly even in a small way we could improve. Yeah. I mean, who knows? You know, we, uh, as a theme on the show uh, for the last three years, uh, we are very much about like 
kind of stopping, thinking, rethinking, mm-hmm. um, and actually kind of taking uh, uh, taking some sort of inventory and in what's going on and how we're doing things and if mm-hmm. that can be improved. Because we do believe that uh, individuals are important, but individuals are important because they contribute to a larger community that can create a lot of really amazing, beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. So artists and designers, yeah, we may... Um, we may uh, understand what what y'all do a lot more uh, in a certain way, but all people have that ability to tap into a larger community and be highly generative to humanize everybody else mm-hmm. uh, to just make a better community for everybody. Yeah, and I love how you said thinking unto doing because if I think about a Christmas Carol, you know, Scrooge gets visited by the three ghosts, and there's an idea that like once that's done. Mm-hmm. He didn't just say, well, wasn't that a great reflective experience for me <laughs> to really yeah. consider what has happened, look at what's going on around me, and then contemplate the possibility of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to rest in that really wonderful time of reflection mm-hmm. and not do anything different. Yeah. Um, all be a bit of a downer at the end of the book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> because, you know, kind of the whole point of it was showing him how much things need to change. Yeah, because he, um, what, what is his line? He says, uh, yes, I will remember it and keep it in my heart every day or mm-hmm. something along those lines. Uh, it's it's not the exact quote. Dickens did it better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is the idea of like remember and do. Mm-hmm. So think and do um, to have that. And I think that that's a really good segue into uh, our, our spirit for today. So the ghost that's visiting us today is the ghost of joy, oh. um, which, you know, uh a million Christmas carols talk about joy. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we hear this word a lot. I think we get it thrown around in different situations and we maybe even get it misapplied mm-hmm. uh, definitionally. Possibly the most repeated word if you walk into a Michael's during the Christmas <laughs> season and just yeah. look at the merchandise. It's just all says joy. It's just joy. It's everywhere. It's, it is a lot yeah. of joy in red, joy in white on red backgrounds. Joy laser cut in wood. Uh, yeah. Joy laser cut out of wood. Laser cut in glass and an ornament. <laughs> yeah, just everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the wonderful philosopher, um, Stimpy, he always said, happy, happy, joy, joy, um, which... I feel like my overview of uh, Western Civ left him out. They, they did, but, uh, you know, he's good to look into. Um, you know, if you want to find some of his thoughts on philosophy, um, I'm sure there's some books out there. Okay, yeah, um, look that up. But, yeah, so... Uh, but I do think that, you know, a, probably a good place to start is where we may get this idea wrong. So before we get into definition, let's get into the misdefinition of uh, this. Yes. Okay. So um, I know that um, I have this conversation with my kids a lot. I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about things like happiness mm-hmm. and joy. Uh, and they'll say the same thing. And they'll just kind of look at it in the sense of like, oh, happiness is like, oh, I'm happy. But joy is like, I'm really happy. Mm-hmm. That's like gradations of sort of the yes. same notion. So, you know, where it's like if so, like if one pizza is happy, then two pizzas is joy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, I can kind of get behind the sentiment because I do think there is like a greater lesser sort of idea there. But Sorry. I don't think they have that sort of relational space. So when I think about happiness, I think about that as like almost in, in line with our last uh, our, our last episode. That's like the 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 reactionary response. Right. It's like so it's like response. It's like, oh, uh you, you brought me a cup of coffee. I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's my objective response to it. Like that is a good thing. So mm-hmm. I should be happy about it, but it is also something that'll be fleeting, right? Mm-hmm. Because I don't know that that cup of coffee in six weeks 
will still be helping me be happy about things, mm-hmm. right? Like the happiness will wane. Yeah. It will go away. But it doesn't seem like that's the case with joy. You also maybe can be happy about things you shouldn't. Ooh. And don't know that you can be joyful about things you shouldn't. Hmm. That's a, wow. I hadn't considered that, man. Yeah, that, that does make good sense though. And because, that, that is, that's pushing us a little bit more into like definition of joy, which we may not want to get to right yet. But that just, just kind of like popped up to me. It's like, yeah, like I could be happy at the misfortune of someone I don't like. I could be happy yeah. about the, a gift what is of it, coffee. Schadenfreuden? Uh, Freudenschaden? I don't speak German. I don't either, but I think it's Schadenfreuden. But you do have a PhD. Which yeah, makes so you I should far be able more qualified to, to speculate words. about what German words mean <laughs> than I can. I think it's Schadenfreude. I think, uh, which is yeah. the, it's the, the, like the happiness you take and the misfortune of others. German and a lot of those Northern European languages have a great way of specificity, highly specific. Yes. Um, like I was reading an article the other day that I can't remember the exact word, but it was talking about the feeling of embarrassment that you have for a person when they do something that's embarrassing, but they themselves do not feel embarrassment. Yeah. And so it's like this second hand, like I'm super embarrassed because you're doing something that's very cringeworthy and you don't realize it. Um, I was like, and and they came up with a word for that. Like middle school. It's called middle yeah, school. Yeah. It's like, but but in Germany, how many times does that have to happen in Germany before they come up with a word for it? Um, is uh, that like a common German experience? Once, because if you have to if you have to explain it the second time, all efficiency is lost. Uh, so you need the word. I think that's probably what it is. But so everything is only everything. <laughs> everything has happened in Germany at least once. <laughs> at least once there's a word. Yeah. On the second uh, word, it's definitional. Yes. The second time is definitional. No, I like that. I think that the uh, you know thinking through um, the idea of like your happiness can actually be maybe not a positive. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, like and, any other emotion. Yeah. Any 100%. other emotion, your sadness could not be a positive or it could be. Your, yes. Uh, your anger could be appropriate or it could not be. Like the existence of the emotion doesn't always give you clues whether or not it's appropriate or not. Yes. No, I think that's good. And I think with something like with happiness, I think an, an, an area that I think anybody could kind of uh, vibe with is like if you've if you ever got dumped by somebody and then the next person that person dated dumped them, you're like, yeah, that puts mm. a smile on my face. But maybe it shouldn't because, mm. you know, you're you're not feeling great. They're not feeling – nobody's feeling great in the situation. Mm-hmm. But there's still that little bit of like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah. They got dumped. Yeah. That's it great. definitely has a way of – I can see that. But, yeah, I, I couldn't see somebody taking actual joy in something that wasn't actually joyful. Yeah. Or, like, I would say that if we saw someone who seemed like they were taking joy – in something that was really not joyful, we'd say something seriously off with that. Yeah, like, that person should not be. Yeah, we, we'd say like joy. sociopath. Yeah, would yeah. be a, a word we would throw around in that space, you know. So, and we've all seen. I mean, like, so the Joker seems to take joy mm-hmm. in a number of really terrible things that go down in Gotham City, and mm-hmm. we're like, yeah, because he's a sociopath. Yeah, right. Like he's obviously got yeah. something. It's like not some deep quite brokenness. Working. Yes, there's something there. that's not quite right. Mm-hmm. All right, so when we look at this, we say, okay, um, joy is not happiness. Happiness is this kind of gut reactionary sort of objective reaction to the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But our happiness can be for the wrong things. Um, And joy is not just extra happiness. So then what the heck is joy in the first place Mm. then? Because if it's not those things, then how do we actually start to define this well? That's a great great question. Um, Because I think about a lot of people 
you know, our default, we talked a little bit last episode about this, but just our default is a lot of times just kind of pursue our own desires for enjoyment or gratification, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, pleasure, you know, just the constant topic of like immediate gratification. You know, every yes. parent's like delay, you know, if you just wait, little Susie, you know, to open your presents, like it'll be better. Yeah. The, the constant parental conversation. But then the flip side is like, how many people talk online about now that I'm an adult, I can finally just buy ice cream and eat pizza whenever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea that like I've achieved something by getting to a point where I can just gratify my desires immediately. Yeah. It's sort of like a goal. So that's all out there. And then, you know, other people and I might be a little more prone towards this is can take sort of like a pessimistic outlook and be like, mm-hmm. oh, joy, you know, life's really just about getting by. Mm-hmm. Um, you really need to focus on the serious things. Um, joy is kind of like a secondary. It's nice if you have it. Mm-hmm. And that really puts joy in the same like category as, as um, happiness. It's like a very sort of utilitarian, like I've got my life, I've got my goals and Sure, I like being happy when I'm happy in the same way that I don't like being sad when I'm sad, but uh, that's a real secondary focus. And yeah, so you kind of get the, those two streams of like grab it wherever I can, or nah, this really isn't that important. And I think mm-hmm. both of them kind of maybe miss the mark on what joy is and how essential it is. Well, I think that's a you know, it's interesting because when we think about things that way, I always try to say, all right, so if. If we're kind of missing the mark in these two different areas, then then maybe maybe our question can be uh, sharpened. Mm. And so maybe the question is, um, instead of like, what is joy? What would the type of world be in which we would need to have a conversation about how happiness and joy are different? Yeah. And so it's it's I think that there's something indicative about the world that we know that will point to how joy and happiness deviate from one another. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about that, um, I think about the fact that like um, every year there's a ginkgo tree across the street from my house that in the fall turns just a blaze of yellow. Mm-hmm. And it's always amazing and it never is boring. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't, every year when you see those first few leaves change, because it's it's not, that gradual. It's almost like somebody lights a match. Trickle, 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 boom. Exactly. Yeah. And it, and you, it's always exciting. Someone in the house is like, look at the tree. And it's like, yeah, it's the exact same thing from last year. But why are we having this reaction, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, not just, nobody's like, oh, my favorite color is yellow and I don't see it anywhere else in the world except this one tree, so I have to take excitement from that. No, I see the yellow everywhere. If you spent any time in Richmond in the fall, mm-hmm. a yellow ginkgo tree might be one of the most normal things to see. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing applies. Like we have, we have some mutual friends and the wife is one of the most amazing bakers. Yes. Ever. Oh my goodness. I don't even have to tell you who it is. Yes. I know you exactly already know that it's about. Misty. Um, and so, you know, she, whether it's a cake, a pie, bread, donuts, like anything, it feels like whatever she puts her hand to that goes into an oven mm-hmm. comes out just marvelous. Yes. And I've had good food, but it doesn't stop me from every time she makes something and I taste it going, oh my gosh, this is so good. Mm -hmm. Like there's something about how normal these sort of things Mm -hmm. are that does not detract from how amazing they are. And I think that says something about the world we're in. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't get exhausted. Um, Yes. It's like things that bring true joy can be experienced and re-experienced 
and you don't burn out on them, mm -hmm. which is different from happiness. There are things that start out giving you happiness in the beginning and they that's a great point. They die away. You, mm -hmm. get, you get used to them. Um, and then there are other things that it's like every time it's um, every time it is good and like fully good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, metaphors break down so so you could you could be like well you know gareth if you just if that tree was always yellow <laughs> you'd end up ignoring it and it wouldn't be exciting and so there's something there about there's like a pattern of change you know, mm -hmm. you know yeah we're, yeah we're, we're people living in a big world with lots of things happening and those things are sometimes only happen once in a lifetime sometimes they're cyclical i was gonna say yeah there's something i think also tied up in joy that is not static mm, right yeah. um which you know that's a put a pin in it for a little later mm. as we try to flesh out more of what that means but i think you're totally correct on that and i think you know as an artist there are things similar to that tree mm -hmm. that I'm going to speak sort of very uh, hesitantly from my experience, but there are like combinations of colors and shapes or like mm. ways that lines do things. Yeah. That I have that experience that you described of seeing the tree. Mm -hmm. um, whether or not it's something I might be trying to make or maybe something that I'm just observing in another person's artwork. So I yeah. think in the sense that there are these sort of things that, excite us on a fundamental level that we respond to mm. and um you know as a maker you might see that as an element of something oh this is i gravitate towards making things this way because it seems to be there's a return to a bowl mm -hmm. good experience of this combination of yeah. elements um and without getting into you know conversations of like ruts and blah blah, blah you know oh yeah, yeah branching out and any of that but just like like some some fundamental or for some people it's like the texture of like when I put my brush on the canvas with the loaded paint and like that satisfaction of the tactile experience mm -hmm. um, it doesn't get old. Well, I think in those experiences, like you know, the, the few years back, the the, the term you know, flow was kind of a big thing of like mm -hmm. finding this space where you're just like really in the zone and you're focused on this thing. Um, you know, there's something in those experiences where, where you might say, oh, when I'm having that kind of thing go on, like everything sort of fades away. Mm -hmm. Stuff gets out of my vision. Yeah. You know, I'm not, stuff isn't clouding yeah. what I'm doing or my experience at that moment. There's like a clarity, mm -hmm. right? And that, I think that those things can go hand mm -hmm. in hand. And so as you're, as you're talking, one of the things I'm thinking about is like, you know, happiness seems to be this kind of objective reaction to the world around us. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, it, it's like happiness is what we experience when something kind of comes onto the stage. Mm -hmm. And maybe joy is this thing that is most easily experienced when things vacate that stage. Yeah. And not in like a, not in like an emptying, mm -hmm. but in like a, a, a lack of distraction. It's maybe. like way to put it it's like if happiness is a reaction then joy is a resonance mm, that's um, an even better way to put it because yes i think about like playing like there are songs that i play on guitar that i've played for years and years and years and i'm probably at this point not getting any better at playing them but i keep playing them because there's something in the playing of it mm of like the feeling of making the forms on the fretboard, of the picking pattern that I'm doing, of listening to how the notes are coming out and this whole like 
uh, experiential, tactile, audio thing that's going on. Yeah. That makes it worth coming back to. Like, I haven't played the song so much that I don't need to go sit down tonight and play it again. Mm -hmm. And and resonate with what it is and what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't expect I'll ever stop. Um, I might, you know, because life changes and people change and circumstances change. So, you know, I'm not making any claim towards permanence in that little event. But there is something there where it's not a question of whether or not it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Like happiness isn't just, it's just when I'm sitting there playing that song, happiness is not at all what is on my mind or what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I, I think what's going on is something that's more like joy. No, um, that, that, that's good. The picture that just was popping into my head as you're saying that is like, you know, those giant racks of chimes they have in a symphony, mm-hmm. like those giant chimes, like they ring, they mm-hmm. resonate. It's what they do. Like you can't, you can't make them not resonate. Mm-hmm. So no matter how it's struck, well, poorly, etc. It's always going to resonate. Whether or not it makes that pleasing note in the moment mm-hmm. that you like or that you prefer um, is a different story. But you can't like the, there's there's a there's something very belly or mm-hmm. there's a bellness yeah. about it which has to do with that resonance. And I think that's you know what you're you're talking about with like the guitar and the song is like there's something about it that the 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 pleasure or the happiness or the rightness or wrongness of how it is performed or done like doesn't affect what it is that's going on. And, and I think that's, it's tough because, you know, I think we're both sort of struggling to get it up. Like we're struggling to talk about a thing mm-hmm. that we understand through, through feeling or yeah. through some other sort of processing. Moment. Tr- it's, it's hard to talk about something like joy in a way that is merely cognitive or, you know, stringing together a series of logical statements uh, because we're as beings not just strung together logical statements. We're like whole five cents thrumming living things that include minds that can uh, string together words to to describe, but we're we're so much more than that. A couple of things that stand out to me before we maybe move forward is a lot of times when we think of joy, we think of childhood. Mm, I I think... uh, I read an um, article that was talking about one of the major sources of growth in the toy industry is adults buying toys for themselves. Mm, yeah, yeah. So it's not that we're having more kids and that those kids want cooler toys and so people are designing cooler toys. It's that actually we're not having that many kids. Mm-hmm. Adults are wanting to recapture some type of childhood experience. And so people are making cooler and cooler toys for adults to get and play with. And I think that there's something about the experience that we have in childhood that we associate with joy. And I say that tentatively because I know a lot of people's childhoods are not easy. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, people, I, I'm very fortunate that I had a, a, a really great childhood with parents who loved me. Um, but that's not everyone's story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know a lot of people's story, whether or not they had a difficult childhood or, or a good one, is there were things within their childhood that they focused in on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as parents, like we see our kids engage with the world 
in a way that is open and receptive to like what I would say maybe are like the fundamentally good things about the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the way my son will draw for hours with crayons and, yeah. and, and talk about these scenes that he's making um, or play with his cars um, or the wonder with which he experiences things in a way that seems, you know, unclouded by cynicism. A lot of the things that we associate with childhood, innocence, you know, cynicism, you know, um, a lot of times people associate childhood with like being in a sort of prejudgment sort of era where mm-hmm. you haven't been conditioned by a society necessarily to, to say this is good or this is bad or this is the right type of people, this is the wrong type of people. It only goes so far, but I think there is a, a note there that's mm-hmm. correct. And it's interesting to me that people, adults, would be willing to spend so much money on toys to try to recapture some of that sort of wonder at experiencing the world, mm-hmm. maybe if just for a little bit while they're like building a Lego set. Well, and I think you see it especially around the holidays as well. I mean, it's a common trope in a number of holiday movies of kind of the getting back to a time before, right? Um, and so one of my favorite Christmas movies is uh, Christmas Vacation. Um, my wife and I can watch it over and over again and never stop laughing. But there are several scenes, and there's two scenes in particular that kind of, uh, I think they hit it exactly what you're talking about. Now, one is when he gets locked in the attic and he's sitting there and he pulls out the old, the old you know, reel-to-reel kind of film deals. Mm-hmm. And he's just watching these old black and white home movies of his family. And it's just real simple. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, they're, they're showing up and they're having a meal and they're maybe dancing or having a drink. And it's just, it, there's, there's this nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? And the nostalgia is always uh, memory void of difficulty. Yes. And so there's that. But then there's also the point uh, where he's struggling with those lights, can't get them to turn on, can't figure it out. And his dad's out there and he's like, yeah, you just, you know, it's just what it is. You check all the lights. What is it? And he's like, he goes inside later after he's thrown a huge giant temper tantrum and he's like, dad, how'd you do it? And his dad was like, I had a lot of help from Jack Daniels. <laughs> um, but he says more or less, he's like, you know, like he's asking his dad, like, how do I get back to how it was when I was a kid? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a Maybe lot of how do I recapture the joy, right? How do I recapture the joy? Because, you know, if you look at the rest of that movie, he's got all these people there. He's got all these responsibilities. He's got this stuff at work. He's got projects there. He's got a bonus that isn't coming in. He's got plans he's made that aren't. That's a lot of things that are overlaying his world and his Mm -hmm. experience. And so I think at the base of it, I'm going to make a really strong uh, statement, which is I think that joy is the natural state of the rich, deep world that exists that is constantly being covered up by all the striving and gunk hmm. that we put on it as people. So joy isn't something that we find. It's almost something we uncover, hmm. right? So it's like, uh, and to realize that we are actively kind of opponents to joy, right? Because I'm like, in my striving and all the things that I want, my personal gain and my ideas about this, that, or the other, I'm probably heaping like mounds of dirt on top of joy. And then I'm like, why am I not happy? Why have I not found joy? Um, and I think it's because we're, I think we're a lot of times actively in opposition to it because we don't understand that joy is just the same way that the resonance in that bell is the yeah. desire in that guitar song is the joy of the yellow tree is the beautiful, amazing thing that happens when you taste the glorious food. Like it is mm-hmm. right. And I think that's 
that's the that's the definition. That's kind of the the explanation or understanding of joy. I think that it actually does resonate the best with mm. me because it does make it very different from happiness, yeah. but also something that is attainable, but also accords with my experiences. Yeah, I think that's wow. I have to think about that because yeah, I mean that when you were talking about the bell, I was I was thinking about you know the bell's made to resonate, but you could like glue all sorts of junk onto it that will dampen it out. Oh, yeah. It'll make it so that when you strike it, you can't hear it and it's not proper. But the bell hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The bell's still there to make the sound. Yeah. Um, and in order to experience that sound again, you got to tear off um, all the gunk. Um, or if you really wanted to push that metaphor, maybe you've got the bell and the bell hasn't actually changed, but the mallet that you're striking it with has a bunch of gunk on it. Mm. And so when you go to strike it, the interaction's not proper and therefore the tone can't be wrung out. Yeah, um, We are kind of like the, uh, the hammer yeah. that's not in a good shape to strike the bell that is the world full of joy mm -hmm. and actually hear its clear tones and peels. I think that's huge because if the world, like the, if the world does just exist in a state of joy, mm -hmm. right? If it is just kind of here, it is always there. Um, then we have to kind of ask the question of like where the, where the problem with that lies yeah. and it can lie in all the things going on in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, all the activities we don't have control over. Right. So like, I, you know, I've had friends that have gotten laid off in the last few months, which mm -hmm. a lot of people are experiencing. Like you don't have control over that. And that is going to change your experience of joy. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you lose loved ones or, you know, friends move away or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever else it could be. Um, you know, you, you get COVID and you can't taste food yeah. for a period of time or smell things. Mm -hmm. Right. So all your food tastes like burnt toast or bad coffee. Yeah. Um, like all those things are there. So there's that, but then there's also the things we can actively do, mm -hmm. right? So if I were to use the wrong implement to strike a bell, it would sound off mm -hmm. or wrong. And if there was something covering that bell, same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's not, it's not the fault of the bell. The bell still contains its bellness, mm -hmm. uh, so to speak, um, in the same way that joy is still there, mm -hmm. waiting to be uncovered, waiting to be discovered, waiting to be... Um, I guess just just even just seen and appreciated. Yeah, it's like um, my brain's spinning at so many miles per hour because like you talked about the like COVID and that loss of smell. And it's like it's so true. There's a huge difference between flavorless food mm -hmm. and food that you can't taste. That's, that's like real. when people got COVID, you know, a lot of people experience loss of smell, loss of taste, the combination of the two. And Nothing about the food changed. Mm. All the food was as good and rich and flavorful, but we couldn't taste it. Yeah. And that brought serious dissatisfaction mm -hmm. um, and frustration um, and, you know, turmoil, you know, depending on how much you enjoy food, which I think... I think most people on this say podcast, it's, a pretty it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty clear <laughs> which, what we feel about that. Yeah, it just comes up once an um, episode at least. And so understanding like it's it's not a deficiency of the food. Nothing happened to the food. Mm -hmm. It was still there. Yeah. Um, and two people eating the same meal where one person had lost their flavor, but one person had it, had yeah. radically different experiences oh, totally. of the same thing. Yeah. Um, and you, you think about that with like paintings, like how many paintings um, 
are what they are and people just don't have eyes to see them because mm-hmm. they're cluttered up by um, the need to prove something or the yeah. need to protect something or um, or maybe just, you know, lack of exposure or education or time, yeah. um, you know, getting back to patience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like joy is if we're making bold claims, it's like the world is good. Mm-hmm. You know, the things we see, taste, touch, smell, like it's all, it's all good. Um, we have eyes to see it or we don't. Yeah. Um, we have mm. hands to touch it or we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't change the goodness. Right. And when we can get to the point where we can truly experience the goodness of the world, that resonance between the goodness of the thing and us, that resonance is the joy. Mm. Um, so we, we become an active part, an active participant mm-hmm. in joy. So it's not just something where we sit here and go, come on, joy, come to me, mm-hmm. uh, figure out how to find me. And it's not something we... I hesitate to say it's not something we manufacture because I don't think that we're passive agents... But we're we're not we're just not joy. Mm-hmm. There's not joy by ourselves. Yeah. Um, uh, there has to be sort of again the other mm-hmm. is required for there to be joy. No, that's good. And you know, and, and I'm also thinking about um, with all of this. If you think about all right, so we've got kind of our definitional space, mm-hmm. and we get into our landscape sort mm-hmm. of space with joy. So we're we're positing that joy is kind of the the natural the natural existence of a world that is good. Mm -hmm. So joy is just part and parcel to the goodness that is in the world that can either be uh, elevated and increased or covered up and decreased Mm -hmm. by human activity, striving and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So we have that. But then I think about all these other words that are kind of like akin to joy, Mm -hmm. right? So so we enjoy things. Okay. um, And then like, it's a word that we don't use as much anymore, but it's still, it's like in Christmas carols and stuff yeah. that we sing this time of year, but the idea of like rejoicing, hmm. you know, so like they're all, they're all there, like somewhere back in, you know, etymological history is some commonality yeah. with those things. So, so you've got this, this field of joy and then there's this idea to enjoy and rejoice and language has to tell us something about what those mean. Yeah. I think, if joy is the the word we have to name the resonance that's occurring between the good thing and the subject that's experiencing it, mm-hmm. that's joy. Enjoyment is the experience of joy. Mm, okay. And then I would say rejoicing is almost like the communal um, exclamation of the enjoyment of the joy. Okay. So it's like when we say things like rejoice, at least in the the old Christmas carols, um, it's like it's it's not saying enjoy, enjoy, dun 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 dun. It's rejoice. It's like go tell it on the mountain. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Um, do it again. Run it back. Do it again. Let someone know about it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Get into a group of people. Go find some people and tell them about the goodness you've just experienced so they can experience it. And then that resonance isn't just between the good thing and you. It's between the good thing and you and others. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, that make that makes sense because if yeah, joy is the entire landscape. Is joy is uh, then enjoyment could almost be in a sense like what we might even call like happiness, mm-hmm. right? So it's like the momentary like objective response, mm-hmm. like I enjoy this thing. Like last night, you know that popcorn you, you make on the stove and it like pops, pops up in up the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My kids had never seen that before. I grabbed one at the store. We were doing it and they were just flipping out. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were 100% enjoying the thing. I yeah. mean, popcorn is an amazing thing sure. that exists in a world that is good. Absolutely. Um, that does provide joy. Popcorn didn't have to happen. It didn't have to happen. But it does. <laughs> and it's pretty fantastic. It is. Um, of the billion things we use corn for, it's probably in the top tier for me yeah. is popcorn easily. Okay. Especially, and my kids too. It's their favorite. Like, hey, we're watching a movie. Let's have some popcorn. But they see that that thing on top of the stove. You're just shaking around a little flat pan. Mm-hmm. And then that 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 tin foil start, starts expanding. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at one point, my son was just like, ah, oh my gosh. <laughs> just blowing his mind. Um, utter enjoyment, mm-hmm. right? In that moment. Now, it popped. We opened it up, stuck it in a bowl. His enjoyment was gone. Because he had moved on to a new enjoyment, mm-hmm. right? It was a new moment. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. Like there's there's like a discreteness mm-hmm. with enjoyment, right? So I, I enjoyed that steak. I enjoyed uh, hanging out with my friends that night. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed that. It's a, a descriptor a descriptor that is discreet to mm-hmm. an experience. That seems to... You to enjoyed record. the tree blooming. Exactly. And then the tree lost its leaves. It yep. was gone. And, and, and that just like particular I get, joy wasn't available anymore. Right. But just like I can repeat happiness, so next time I get a piece of pizza, I'm going to be happy about it, mm-hmm. and I'm not. It's not going to really get old. I can repeat that enjoyment as well. So that so happiness and enjoyment feel fairly closely wedded mm-hmm. to me, in kind of the way we've described them. Happiness can also be an after effect of enjoyment. Mm. Um, so I oh, can, that's a good call. You know, if in if enjoyment is, let's say the best case scenario is. Enjoyment is participating in the joy that's available between yourself and the good thing. The present tense experience. Yeah. So you taking a hold of the joy that's available, mm-hmm. enjoyment in the joy. Right. We think about how the words put together and in mm-hmm. um, all you etymologists out there. If that's not correct, then then oh, forgive me. Yeah, info it sounds right. Or it's based on. Yeah. Just um, let us know. I can be happy about something that I'm no longer enjoying. That's a good call. Because I can remember it. I'm happy. I have feelings of happiness about my wedding. Mm-hmm. But it only happened once. That's right. I got married. It was a great day. Mm-hmm. It's come and gone. It's not coming back. Yeah, you're currently enjoying your marriage, but you're I'm not enjoying, enjoying my your marriage, wedding ceremony. But I'm not enjoying my wedding ceremony. Totally. But I'm Makes happy sense. about it. Yes. Um, so that might be also a uh, just uh, a, as we're plotting the landscape of relations and we're... we're I guess it makes sense too because I can be happy about things I didn't enjoy. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, I went to grad school. I didn't necessarily enjoy it all the time, but I'm happy about it. Happy about it. Or, <laughs> or happy it's over. I can be happy that you went to grad school. Yeah. I didn't enjoy grad school because I didn't go to grad school, but I'm happy that Garrett did. Hey, that's a, yeah. Uh, okay. So that's good. So this is a very specific sort of moving forward. So then we have rejoice. Rejoice. Right. And I think that's, that's a really cool one because um, you can tell me news that's good. So you could say, Hey, uh, I just got a new job and I can go, Hey, that's amazing. I can rejoice with you. Mm. I can kind of play that joy back, right? I can, I can respond to it in Mm -hmm. a way that affirms it and says, yeah, it's there. I can repeat that joy, Mm -hmm. right? Repeat the sounding joy. Yeah. Another Christmas carol. There you go. Right. So uh, there's something there, right? With that, that prefix of re to Mm -hmm. do again, Mm -hmm. to go over, to, you know, repeat, um, 
that is there where it's like almost like a reminder to each other of the thing Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, even when we talked just a moment ago about our friend Misty, like there was some rejoicing there because we both were able in our mind in that moment to Mm -hmm. probably replay something that we've had in the past to go, oh gosh, yes, you're right. That is really delicious food. That is really great. Um, Or, you know, conversations you may have had with somebody um, where you say, like for me, for example, there's uh, what Danish Interior by Cy Twombly, like that is a painting that uh, like, like arrests me. Every time I see it, I'm stopped. Mm-hmm. And I can tell that story to somebody else who's seen it in person and go, oh yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. There's a rejoicing in that because we're, we're responding to and reminding each other of the joy in the world through, in that sense, a particular mm-hmm. object. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a replaying um, kind of a, like a call and response yeah. almost to the world around us. Yeah, it's like, um, I mean, it can be testifying about the joy that you've experienced to another person mm-hmm. so much that they maybe get a taste of it. Yeah. Um, it could be bringing someone into the present tense experience mm-hmm. of the joy. Um, you know, I've got this meal, come sit and eat with me. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the rejoicing is happening between the two people who are experiencing mm-hmm. um, versus the rejoicing that could happen when one person hears about the great meal that the other person ate. I think that's that's rejoicing too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you think about a community of people who are all individuals, like truly individuals, um, who are experiencing the world and reacting to it themselves, if we took away all the things that distract us and cause us to not experience the good things as joyful things. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we have a vision of a human community where no one is ever having an identical experience. Um, Even if they're having the experience of the same thing at the same time, they're not experiencing it identically. And then we're not always having the experience of the same thing at the same time. Mm -hmm. But if we could truly engage with how good things are um, in the world, and then we sh- could share that all with each other, and it was just a cooperative, communal, constant state of sharing the goodness, mm. a resounding, resonating, rejoicing experience. Like, that sounds pretty great. It, it um, does. It sounds that, amazing. That sounds like a vision that accords with what we would desire out of our holidays. Yeah, yeah. You know, the idea of like the best version of a Christmas party or of a Christmas morning around the tree or of a family dinner. Um, yeah. I think also it, it, it accords really well with um, things that we've also heard in the gallery in openings. Mm. So um, back in, gosh, what was it? Was it late 2020, early 2021? We did the Four Horsemen show. And at that point, I think we were the only gallery that had an opening. Mm-hmm. And we were not sure how things were going to go down. Yeah, tough times. Because we were like, they're either going to come with like pitchforks and torches mm-hmm. or people are going to be really excited about this. Yeah. And, or maybe people wouldn't come at all. And yeah, we were like, it, really could be, <laughs> it could be a handful of us standing in the gallery just being like, well, at least we got some good stuff to look at. Yeah. Um, but what we found is that that people came in and they were like, thank you for this. Like we needed this. Mm-hmm. Like we needed to be reminded of what the world is. And that show, if you if you haven't seen it, go check it out on, on the website, shockawardspace.com. Um, 
But all four of those guys that were in that show were having a response to the world because mm-hmm. all that work had been made during all the COVID shutdowns and lockdowns mm-hmm. and quarantines and not going anywhere and being stuck in your house for weeks and months on end. And all of it was very joyful work. It was beautiful. It was mm-hmm. vibrant. It was yeah. wonderful. And the people that came in were able to share in that and they were able to see that vision and that vision amidst the backdrop of all the crap that had been kind of layered on top and over and over again over the last few months of like, do this, don't do this, be scared of these people, hate these people, these are the enemy, these are your friends, these mm-hmm. are the good guys, these are the bad guys. All that stuff was kind of gone. And they were able to stand in the gallery and just be next to other people saying, isn't that great? Look mm-hmm. at that Look at that piece over there. Oh, man. And oh, I haven't seen you in months. Mm-hmm. So there was a tapping back into the reality of the goodness of the world And it was bouncing off of the people and the things Mm -hmm. and the fullness that was in that space to give that small little picture Mm -hmm. of, no, this is, we're rejoicing in this together and we're tapping back into the joy that does seem to be indicative of the world we live in Mm -hmm. because it's free from so much of that other crap and garbage we put on top of it. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, there's the joy in the natural world. There's the joy in the relationships and the people that are available to us. There's Mm -hmm. the joy that's available in the art that people make, um, which is, you know, the art that people make is some combination of the relationships that we have and Mm -hmm. the materials that we have at our disposal. Um, And so if I think about talking about joy as sort of the last spirit that's visiting us yeah i think it makes sense because we've we've mentioned a few times you know um having eyes to see the joy or experience Mm -hmm. the joy um and obviously it's it's pretty clear that you know it's clear to me when i think about my life that i am not constantly living in a state of ability to experience all the goodness in the world around me in such a way that that I can have joy and I can resonate with the joy that's available. Um, So I think it's sort of appropriate to maybe go back through and touch on maybe real briefly just how some of those other spirits that have come through all really are about us being able to experience the joy. Yeah, there is something like cumulative uh, or something that culminates with joy. And I think part of it is, you know, something you alluded to earlier that I just want to make sure we put a, a real big pin in is that uh, joy joy doesn't get tapped out, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you know, you could say at the end of the day, oh, I'm not happy anymore about this. But joy, joy, since if joy is, then joy does not wax or wane. Mm-hmm. It just is. It is a constant, right? So... Um, you don't have more or less of a guitar. You have a guitar, yeah. right? You Just like they say, like, you know, you can't almost be pregnant, mm-hmm. right? You know, you are, you aren't. Yes. Um, so joy exists in that same sort of definitional space. Um, except I think that joy is one of those things that gets thicker the deeper you go. Mm. So it becomes more palpable, more tangible, more more like legitimate mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And so I think if we, if we put that pin in that, that the joy doesn't get tapped out. Joy doesn't run out. It doesn't doesn't thin to a point of mm-hmm. not being able to understand it. It doesn't become a veneer over everything else. It just is. It is. It is the. It is the structure and foundation of things. It's like a connoisseurship that doesn't narrow, but it actually deepens and widens. Yes. So it, it would be like. 
It's like those caves that people discover and they're like, I was in the cave for eight hours and I turned around and then 40 years later we found out that it still goes 47 more miles. Yes. And you're like, I could have gone in as deep as I wanted exactly. and never found the bottom. Yeah. It um, just goes. Yeah. That's a great example. And that, I think that that's, that's probably the best way we can kind of talk about that. The, the point or question you're posing is, you know, what does it have to do with it? Well, if it is that deep, then it's going to touch on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think about, you know, with, with gratitude, one of the things that we brought up in the conversation is like gratitude is a knowing of what is, mm -hmm. right? And so there's, there is something really joyful about just knowing what things truly are. Yeah. You know, like it, there is something joyful about saying, hey, I, I know that I am not the best blank. Yeah. And there's joy in that. Because it frees me from having to be that and bear that weight and burden. That's usually the statement that precedes most of my statements about myself. Yeah. Hey, I know that I'm not the very best at this. <laughs> I've, I have not yet found the uh, the thing where I'm like, I'm definitely the best at this. Dude, I don't even know how that exists for anybody, period. Um, I mean, you think about it, this is super, super stupid tangent, but like the whole like goat conversation in any sport, yeah. you're always like, oh, they're the greatest of all time. And it's like, time's not over yet. Yep. Stupid conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, who's the greatest ever? This is very know. preliminary. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, hey, at least they're in the conversation. Um, but no, I think that that's, that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Like in terms of gratitude, that's kind of how I see joy mm -hmm. is that there, there, there is something just really nice about not having to be the like genre defining yes. person and knowing the what measuring stick. my scope and scale is. Yeah. Um, when I know those things, what I know I'm capable of, then I can actually take great joy in doing the things that I'm capable of doing. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have to be the world's greatest artist showing in every blue chip gallery and being in every museum before I'm dead, mm -hmm. if I don't have to be that, I could maybe take a bit more of that joy in making and make it real right now. Mm-hmm. I could actually tap into that now. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not on some weird search for it. I can just say, oh, gratitude allows me to know who I am, where I am, what my frame is, and what I can hold. Mm -hmm. And I can push those things aside, be grateful for what I have, mm -hmm. and do with that joyfully. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. And then be grateful for the joy that you can experience, which gets oh, into yeah. rejoicing. Because yeah. when you're grateful for something, it's easy to tell other people about it. Yes. Um Un ingratitude doesn't lend itself. I mean, well, uh, uh, let me roll that back. A lot of people like to talk about how they're not grateful for things. So mm -hmm. there's a way that it spreads in community and conversation. Like ingratitude absolutely does. Oh, yeah. Um, but we also want to tell people about good things that we've experienced. And so I think that gratitude really connects with rejoicing in a big way. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Gratitude is more like the smell of like dinner or like some pie coming out of your window mm -hmm. and less like the poison ivy you gave to somebody else. Yes. yes. They both spread. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's make sure we're spreading the right things. Yes. Especially at a time of year where we talk about spreading Christmas cheer. Yes. Right. As a, as a common parlance. Um, yeah. I think, you know, so you talk about like um, gratitude, uh, you talk about patience mm -hmm. um, and joy. Um, if I can take joy in something, I can, I can actually I can actually sit in it a little longer. Mm -hmm. I can sit in the the work or the responsibility mm -hmm. or whatever else it is that we might want to push aside uh, and be impatient about. Like yeah. I can sit in those things more if if I'm understanding the joy that just is is part and parcel to what yeah. things are. Yeah, and um, because we're not perfect and because we're finite, it's going to take time with some things 
to sit with them long enough that we actually dial into the goodness such that we can experience the joy. Yeah. I think that's huge. As someone who doesn't make art, but tries to look at a lot of art, Mm -hmm. you know, when I am coming to a piece and it's like, hey, this is new and maybe outside of my current categories, uh, especially preference categories maybe. Yeah. I could say, this isn't making me happy right now. Done. (laughs) Off to the next thing. Yeah. Um, But patience will afford me the time to get to know the other Mm -hmm. and let its goodness manifest and help me dial into the goodness that is objectively there, but Mm -hmm. I'm just not attuned to yet. Yeah. And if I allow myself the time to dial in, and that could be five minutes, 15 minutes, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about marriage. Like This is totally true of a marriage. It takes you a whole life to attune to another human being. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of joy to be had. And we see a lot of people who are not willing to spend the time with one person to do that. Mm -hmm. And they have a life of dissatisfaction. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you see this, you see people who devote their entire life to studying like one person's art yeah. uh, to like one field, yeah. right? Like, we do that in other areas. Uh, it is harder with people because mm-hmm. people are a lot more um, prone to change and yeah. be difficult. Yeah. And, and that's not to say there's no joy to be had in people if you can't devote long spans of time. There's, there's right. real powerful, very quick connections you can make with people that maybe you never see again. Don't but I think also like that. even if it's outside of a marriage context, like a lot of folks have these friends mm-hmm. um, that have known each other forever. I mean, when you when you look at just the three people that tend to be around this table on the podcast, I mean, there's like over a decade of shared friendship. Yeah. Um, and there's times where I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that about you. Mm-hmm. And that's a decade in. Yeah. You know, so um, there's a lot of things that I think patients can afford for joy because you know, with a friend where you, you realize, oh, I never, I didn't know you actually liked that thing or that that was, oh, cool. This opens up a whole new space for conversation or sharing or, or jokes or laughter or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more joy that can get tapped into uh, through that patience. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of works in some ways with the self-control stuff too, because there's, there's an immediacy that doesn't have to exist mm-hmm. um, that helps with joy. So if, if I am needing everything to happen right now, whether mm-hmm. that's through impatience or a lack of self-control. Um, if I'm needing all this stuff to happen right now, cause I need to grab as much of whatever as I can, whether that's, you know, uh, you know, clout or control or responsibility or, you know, appearance in front of people, whatever it is, uh, then, then it is hard for joy to exist. Yeah. It, that is one of those things that heavily clouds joy. So if I can sit here and say, Oh, with, with self-control, I can actually wait and sit on something and not immediately react, mm-hmm. I, I can tap into that joy a lot easier because nothing, there, there's no pressure keg that's happening in the right now immediacy, mm-hmm. right? If I've got a relationship and there's a time where something really bothers me and um, I feel the need to react to a person, well, patience will say, it's a long relationship. You can probably talk this out over time. Mm-hmm. And self-control says, yeah, so there's no reason for it to happen in this exact Exact. moment in an explosive way. Mm -hmm. And that provides the larger flourishing for a number of people. So everybody can be a bit more reflective. Everybody can kind of sit on things a bit more and hopefully have a bit more kindness and cheer uh, that are thrown into things. Mm -hmm. Um, So you don't have to 
get it all right now. Exactly. It's not all completely reactionary. And then if you think about how we talked about self-control as not simply being reactive but proactive, yes. um, that that uh, one aspect of self-control could be doing things you wouldn't otherwise do. Um, I think back uh, to what Ryan's talked about, about, you know, like uh, talking with his kids about, hey, there's some things you don't touch, yes. some things that you touch carefully, and some things that you can kind of like really engage with. Yeah. Um, and, and he was talking about that kind of in terms of like a house, mm-hmm. you know, some decorations that are really beautiful, you know, paintings on walls, don't touch. Mm-hmm. Like the joy to be had is in exercising the self-control to do and be in relationship with the other thing, what is proper. Yeah. And that's going to include the things we touch carefully, mm-hmm. you know, just within within um, Ryan's sort of illustration. Um, we're going to have the most joy when we carefully hold the infant mm-hmm. and hold it close and bring it to our bodies and keep it warm and very gentle. We're going to have more joy doing that than we are not holding the infant. Mm-hmm. Or being super rough and dangerous with the infant. Right. Um, and then there's going to be some things that it's like, yeah, like enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like literally put it in your mouth mm-hmm. and smash it to bits with your teeth. Yeah. Um, enjoy. Like You can tell we're a little hungry. Yeah, today, definitely so. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, because I thought about like, yeah, an infant and a football, both things that you're going to be very intimate with in terms of your hands, but mm-hmm. are going to be completely different objects in how you experience the joy mm-hmm. of them. And self-control is me being able to say, this is what I am. Mm-hmm. And because of what I am, what actions do I need to take Mm -hmm. towards the other thing that are the most appropriate to protect what it is and allow it to be the good thing that it is Yeah, and preserve my ability to experience the goodness of what it is for the fullest joy. Yes. Um, And I think that we can, you know, self-control is so much about like our relationship with things that are not ourselves. Mm-hmm. Proactive and reactive and what we don't do and what we do do. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we, you know, when you, who's it? when I, because I, I don't want to just say this is someone else's problem, you know, ingratitude and impatience and selfishness and lack of self-control are all things that I have a problem with. They're all things that mess up my ability to experience joy every day and probably mess up people around me's ability to experience joy because I'm either distracting them from the joy that they're pretty well conditioned to experience or I'm actively being something in the middle of them experiencing joy. Yeah. So, you know, with all of our conversations, we're always talking to ourselves and trusting that there's enough unity and humanity that probably me seeing my problems and you seeing your problems and Ryan and, you know, all that guy's problems. Gosh. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a human condition and and there's going to be some overlap. So we trust that there's overlap as we're having these conversations. Oh, um, yeah. And I think that that's, that, that may be like, I think maybe the good kind of final point to hit on is that um, the joy, if joy is, mm-hmm. as we've talked about, if joy is um, just the state of a world that is good, mm-hmm. um, then we're all going to share in that joy, like we've talked about in different sort of ways. Um, But even more than that, uh, we can as individuals actually kind of complete joy for each other. Mm, Yeah. So it's, uh, so it's an understanding that um, 
you, Cody, me, Gareth, Ryan, whoever, we're not going to have the market cornered on what joy is and what the fullness of that is. Because how are we to take in the entirety of the world? Yes. Yeah. And and if we can't take in the entirety of the world, then we do, as we've mentioned in other episodes, we do have to rely on other people to kind of show us those things mm-hmm. to help us understand it more. Um, and I think that the phrase, you know, complete the joy is is kind of an amazing thing because what it means is that I can't do it. Mm-hmm that I can't see all the joy. Yeah. So it will be necessary for me to enjoy things in the world, but it will also be necessary for you to rejoice with me. Mm-hmm. And that I think has a really great tie in with our art and design practices and the things that we see when we go to museums and galleries. I think it, it makes sense, right? That why would I make these things? Mm-hmm. Why would anybody make these things? Why would they put them on a wall somewhere? Why would, why would you make a thing in your own mind with your own process that I'm not privy to and then put it on a wall and expect me to know what the hell's happening? Yeah. Why would you even do that? Mm-hmm. And I think some of it is because I can, I can complete the work as a viewer in the same way that an artist can begin that work. Mm-hmm. But we can always share in that work itself the thing that it is. And going to the gallery is a part of completing that process. So us living, living in these spaces, uh, whether it's in art and design communities or not, wherever it is, like us understanding that we have a part of that joy that we see. But as you come alongside me, I come alongside you, we're able to actually complete that joy for each other mm-hmm. in a way that I can't do on my own. I think it's one of the beauties of friendship is mm-hmm. that we can have similarities and huge differences. Yeah. And in those spaces, you're able to show me parts of the world I don't know mm-hmm. and parts of existence that I don't really get or parts of humanity that I just don't have the tools for. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have the proclivities or leanings in certain ways. And so I can sit there and go, hey, that's awesome. Because Cody does. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. don't have to have that. Absolutely. And there's joy in not having to have it all. Absolutely. Um, because that gets down to, yeah, knowing yourself. Yeah. And, and I have yet to personally meet an artist who isn't excited when someone enjoys their work. Oh, yeah. Like I, and obviously I don't know all artists. You guys might be out there, um, but it's. I mean, even just thinking about the um, uh, the feast show that yeah. we have up right now, we had a great live auction mm-hmm. um, for some small works. A lot of the artists who had work being auctioned were there, present. Yeah, um, and they seemed visibly excited that there were people who were bidding. Oh, yeah. In, in you know bidding fights for each other because there was a desire for the work because there was an understanding that the work could bring joy and the artists could see that in other people and and they were pumped you know and I saw multiple artists standing and having conversations with people who had bought their work mm-hmm. and having uh, that resounding rejoicing of the maker and the receiver and then the work itself yeah and just being able to experience it together the person who bought it was asking questions to the artist and their joy was being um, increased by what the artist could give about its background and why they made it in certain ways. The artist's joy was being increased by seeing how much someone desired the work mm-hmm. and you know, was planning on taking it home and making it a permanent part of their life yeah. to be in their home. Um, and it's just super exciting. I mean, uh, it's, it it's is. a beautiful little micro moment Mm-hmm. of um, what hopefully we could all say 
would be the ideal case mm-hmm. um, is that sort of communal experience of joy uh, because it's really there because there really are good things in this world mm-hmm. that can be experienced um, when we're not too impatient and when we're not ungrateful and when we're not so selfish. Like yeah. It's there to be experienced. It's there to be experienced with other people. It's there to tell other people about and bring mm-hmm. them in. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's important for people who, are, who make things, but it's also important for everyone else. Yeah, I think it's, so. it's a human thing, um, a very, very foundationally human thing. Um, and I, I know we've talked a lot about joy and I think within just the broader context, like the world's not perfect. There's mm-hmm. a lot of problems. And so I would just ask that no one hears our conversation about joy as a naive conversation, uh, thinking, well, you know, the problem with the world's just that we sort of like can't see a few things about it. And if we just kind of mustered up our ability to, um, you know, just be a little more patient, open our eyes and sort of like all the world's problems would, would stop. Um, <laughs> it's definitely not the case. No, um, not at all. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot more going on in the world in terms of its problems and what caused them. Um, but I definitely think what we've talked about is a small part of the problem and definitely a, a part of the solution and maybe hope to look forward to. Yeah, I think so. Because I, I think, you know, we don't we don't often leave people with like charges mm-hmm. at the end of an episode. Um, but one thing I would say is um, if the world does have problems, like we know it does, mm-hmm. then what is the better situation? that we focus on the problems as the reality of the world mm-hmm. or that we focus on the joy that underlies those problems yes. and see that the problems are things that we actually can work together towards fixing, alleviating, mitigating, whatever it may be. Um, the, the world itself does not change if we choose to have a better outlook on mm-hmm. how that world exists. Um, but our experience of that world and our experience with each other I think has greatly changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part, even for me, why the conversation of joy is so important because I can focus all day on bad stuff Yeah, and I know what it will do to my day. Mm-hmm. As someone who's prone to depressive states, like I know what that'll do. Mm-hmm. But if I can really strive towards the understanding that the world is a good place that is just ripe with joy, mm-hmm. It doesn't make the bad stuff go away, but it does make the bad stuff take its actual space and place. Yeah. It doesn't become the water I swim in. It just becomes the bits of debris that are floating in that water. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may just sound like a semantic exercise or a sure. mental exercise, but I promise you in working, it's not just a semantic exercise. Mm-hmm. It, is a, it is a foundational and fundamental change in how the world can be seen and experienced. And it has ramifications and, and import across the board, not just with, oh, I wake up feeling a bit better in the morning. Yeah. It, it changes the way you work. It changes the way you view your neighbors. It changes the way that you understand a number of things. Mm-hmm. It changes everything you think about and what you think mm-hmm. is important. Um, because you understand that in everything you experience, there is a possibility of joy. Yes. Um, and in every relationship that you have, there is a possibility of joy. Um, not just a possibility, but a probability. A probability, yeah. Um, I say possibility because not everyone's going to take hold of it. True, true, um, yes. And not everyone has eyes to see it. 
100%. Um, so it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a treasure that's hidden in a field, yeah. but it's buried. Mm-hmm. And it's not seen until it's uncovered. Right. Um, and even art, you know, there is a strong history of the importance of art that does not exist to be enjoyed in the way that we commonly think about it, i.e. this art makes me feel happy. Mm-hmm. But there's art that its its primary purpose has been to reveal the brokenness about the world. Right. Um, and that's valid. Yes. Because getting back to sort of the ideas of self-control, if we don't know how things actually are, then we can't ever know what needs to be done to fix them. Right. Um, and I would argue that in the definition of joy that we've set up, we actually can look at art that is uncomfortable mm-hmm. and draws attention to brokenness um, and cries out, things shouldn't be this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there can be joy. There's sort of like a, a, a mixture of the bitterness Mm-hmm. of the brokenness that's being shown in the work and joy in the fundamental goodness of the material of the work of, of, of you know, form and shape and line and content and, and all of that. Um, and then joy in the recognition that this work is part of the step towards the greater experience of joy, which is the getting rid of all the problems mm-hmm. so that it's just the good world with people who are able to receive it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind so of, it I mean, doesn't mean that we have to go just make pretty paintings. Right. You know, hundred um, percent. I mean, you think about like, what if you went to a physician and all they ever told you was like, yeah, you're just going to experience a series of sicknesses and other things. And then you're going to die one day. Uh, I don't think you'd be at that doctor very yeah. long, but if you had a doctor who said, actually, you know, you, your response in the world should be health. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, like here's things we can do. And some of them might be really uncomfortable. It might require surgery or resetting a bone yeah. or a number of other things that don't feel great in the moment, mm-hmm. but they produce the flourishing and health. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of in that the space we're yeah, talking about absolutely. here is like, yes, the doctor is not necessarily wrong that you will get sick a lot and then one day you will die. Like mm-hmm. that is normal human experience. But if that's what you want your life to be, that's tough. Mm-hmm. And that's very hard. But instead, if we want to, um, you know, exist more in the idea that like the natural state of things is health mm-hmm. and how do we deal with that? Those are two very different outlooks that may produce all the same stuff in the end, but in between will be a vastly different experience between yeah. birth and death. Absolutely. And I, I love that illustration about the doctor because when people get diagnosed, I've, I've, heard people say things like, I finally have a diagnosis for the problem that's been ailing me. Yeah. And I'm so grateful because everything, believed. Yeah. And you're like, um, that's weird because you've just been told that you have like this thing. Mm-hmm. But to them, what used to be phantoms, mm-hmm. they were experiencing all of the symptoms, but they had all the questions that went along with not knowing why is this happening? What's going wrong? Is this really bad? Is this only kind of bad? Is this not a big deal? Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much relief in knowing what's actually real and then knowing what real steps can be taken towards hopefully health um, yeah, in the yeah. future. And there's real joy because the there is goodness in the process mm-hmm. of going from unhealth to health. Hundred percent, and that's how I think you can see people who can go through some pretty 
difficult things and experience joy, i.e. experience the goodness of the process, even though it's really difficult, um, where an outsider like you or I could maybe look at that scenario and just be like, I can't understand how that's anything other than pain and discomfort and, and terrible. I can't understand how you would say that you can experience joy through that difficulty. Right. Um, but it seems like people do. Um, so yeah, I guess that's an interesting just additional category. There's joy in things, but then there's also joy in processes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because we live in a world it's in that process. is joy. Yeah, It is all there. So of course it's going to bleed into almost every category we could think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's probably a good spot to close on. Yeah. Um, I think we've made some some good, some good conversation points today, um, some good things to think about. Um, and the last thing I want to leave you with is the actual correct quote from Charles Dickens. Ah, yes. Um, and so uh, what Scrooge says there at the end, after the, all the spirits have visited him, after he's uh, thought about these things, reflected on this stuff, seen his life um, as it is, he says, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Hmm. So uh, with that in mind, um, we wish you a very Merry Christmas, a very Happy New Year, a wonderful holiday season. Absolutely. And if you would like to inject a little bit more joy into your holiday season, and uh, yes. let's be honest, maybe a little bit post-holiday. You're going to get into January. Things are going to be cold. You're going to have that, that slump. You're going to have that slump. Um, I would highly recommend pulling up your favorite music streaming service, be it YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you like. Um Ken Gilbertson's got some joy for you. He does. Four tracks of pure, unadulterated joy. There's always That's Rap, something you can ride to volume two. Uh, You know, I always like to tell people that the album is like whiskey. It goes down real fast and the effects linger for a while. (laughs) So put the album on a spin. Uh, If you've got a uh, holiday trip coming up or you're just staying cozy in your house, uh, enjoy some Ken to bring you a little bit of fireside joy. You'll find a link in the description below. Uh, we think you'll enjoy it. Ken had a lot of fun. We had a whole lot of fun helping him uh, making some dreams come true. So yes, please do check that out. And in the meantime, until the next time we speak with y'all, you are a fantastic audience. We love you and we will catch you next time. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom. <laughs>